From True Africa, I'm Claude Renitsky, and this is Limitless. In this episode, we're talking about borders. Border is the worst thing that's happened to Africa. The people who benefit from the border divisions are our political elite. I do not think where we are today, we can remove borders and that this would be a solution. Welcome to Limitless, the podcast that asks the questions that matter for Africa. We're looking for African solutions to African problems. In each episode, we're asking three guests one question that matters to Africans. And no surprise, they don't always agree. The Limitless podcast is supported by the U.S. Department of State and the Scenefire Foundation. Africa has 83,000 kilometers of land borders. In many cases, these borders are a colonial hangover, arbitrarily drawn, ignoring geography, ethnic groups, and political entities. But the Pan-African dream of iconic presidents like Kwame Nkrumah and Thomas Sankara has yet to materialize. So, is it time to rethink red lines on maps? Or do we need to concentrate on dismantling different borders, those holding back trade, collaboration, and mindsets? First up is self-made Malian businessman Samba Batili. He's launched ventures in over 18 African countries. Samba is also a huge champion of the African Continental Free Trade Area, a free trade agreement between 54 African countries. I asked them if borders are holding Africa back. Border is the worst thing that's happened to Africa. If you take the history of Africa, when Africa was great, that was when we have no border, when there was no country. If you take the African history, where we could uh, do trans-Saharan trade, bringing salt and bringing gold and other minerals, there was no border. People was traveling, people was trading. So this border come uh, with the colonization. We cannot continue. Because uh, as I said, in order to build an African market, we should take off those borders. Because borders are making us work in silo. And we can never have the, the critical mass with those borders. Because we'll be in those teeny countries. Take a country like Cap Verde, 500,000 people. If you see what's the strength of the U.S., is a, is, is, is a market of 300 million people. Why can't we African create that market that used to be? But in order to, to, to achieve that, I think there should be communication. There should be also mutualization, collaboration between private sector, public sector to define which sector each country will focalize. So at the end of the day, every country will bring something on the balance. So African countries still import a lot of goods from outside the continent rather than from fellow African countries. Is that an issue? We need to build African market. And how we do that? By consuming African product. Africans should understand that they need, they need to at least consume 50% of what we produce in Africa. Without that, there will be no stability in Africa. And if there is no stability in Africa, there is no stability in the world. 
10 years from now, these 500 million people coming on the job market and they have no hope, they, it will create a, a problem of national security first in our country. And then later on, it will create a problem of international security. So this will be more than Al-Qaeda. So the problem of the, de the development of Africa is a, is a problem of uh, this world. We African, we have to solve it first, and the rest of the world will come and join in. Our next guest is Mutemi Wakiyama, an activist from Nairobi, Kenya. He is known for campaigning against aid in the shape of international loans. He's also part of the Africans Rising Initiative, a continent-wide NGO which campaigns for a fair global trading system and action to combat climate change. Here's our conversation. Do you believe that borders are holding Africa back? I actually, you couldn't have put it better um, because um, if you look at all, you know, all major blueprints to, that have been produced um, in the last six decades, basically they talk about um, a free market economy. They talk about eliminating borders and trade barriers. Uh, and they talk about, uh, uh, they all recommend political and economic unity across the continent. Right. This has been tried variously by different economic groups, but somehow, for example, if you talk about SADC um, and East African community, there's always, our commerce for that matter, there are always these divisions that keep, barriers that keep coming up and cropping up, and I believe they are engineered because there are some countries that are able to project themselves beyond the borders. For example, South Africa is able to project itself in Southern Africa all the way to Tanzania, and so uses the border, the Tanzanian and Kenyan border as, um, as a buffer between Kenya, which is the other economic uh, power in Africa. Um, and I think that it's very deliberate, and that has affected the coming together of the East African community, because Tanzania has always uh, you know, worked uh, in the interest of South Africa. And, uh, and I'm sure this is reflected elsewhere. And so you know, another thing that is very interesting is that um, if, if, I, if I travel across Africa, whether it's by land or air, the border control uh, systems are actually European. They were created by Europeans. And uh, the Europeans are removing borders within their continent, but enforcing borders within Africa. So that is uh, something else very interesting. Well, the idealism behind this African continental free trade agreement is very real and very palpable. Do you think that we can dream and be idealistic in this way and hope that this African continental free trade area and this dream of a borderless Africa can actually solve problems for everyday Africans? Yes. Um, if you look at um, two of the most successful companies, trade trading companies on this planet, uh, I'll use Amazon, um, which is uh, American, and then I'll use Alibaba.com, which is Chinese. Uh, what they've been able to do is eliminate borders. Actually, it's, uh, they've been able to facilitate uh, cross-border trade. Uh, they've been able to uh, facilitate I selling something to somebody from wherever they are across the world, and them trusting that whatever uh, I'm selling is the right quality and that it will get to them, when, uh, that once they pay the money, they will get that product uh, to them. And that is basically eliminating borders. So um, why reinvent the wheel? Uh, even traveling, 
you know if you want to go to Burkina Faso right now I might take 24 to 48 hours because I have to make crazy connections right something where I could fly direct for five hours and, and I'll be there yes um, but I do know that um, the African Development Bank leadership is very uh, very committed to the African free trade area I hope the political leadership of our different countries will see the opportunity and uh, and, 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 and work, you know, to support that. But unfortunately, we have to be realistic. We know that the people who benefit from these divisions, again, uh, the border divisions are our political elite who are product of the colonial system. So we must work, as Bob Marley said, you know, to remove the mental borders. Yeah. Then we must find ways for the people um, to solve these problems, the business interest. I think the example I gave whereby Alibaba and Amazon have actually done that. Can we have Pan-African um, you know, companies that actually solve that border issue out of economic interest? Third up is Kawala, a Cameroonian politician and entrepreneur. She was the first woman to stand for president in Cameroon in 2011. She is actually from the Anglophone region of Cameroon which has been affected by a separatist movement since 2016. Here's our discussion. How do you think borders have affected people's lives? Well, I think this is, of course, one of Africa's dilemmas, right? Is that we live in in nations that were not defined by ourselves, that did not um, um, define themselves organically as in many other parts of the world. These are borders that were imposed upon us by Europeans, and they were imposed upon us in, in a mindset of, of spoils of war, right? People sat down after a war and kind of decided, well, you get this part and I get this part and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so, um, of course, this is a, a fundamental structural default um, for our continent. However, as somebody who is in politics and is in policy, while I am a pan-Africanist in ideology, I am also a very practical um, politician and, and policymakers. And, you know, when people say borders should disappear, I want to know how. Right. How are we going to do that? I believe that yes, we should get to a united Africa. And I think that the means for us, for us to do that from where we are today um, to that future is through functional states. It is through the building blocks for our continent um, is having states that are able to, to do a minimum to deliver water, to deliver electricity, to deliver healthcare and education to the people who are currently under their responsibility. And once you have good, strong, functional states, you, 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 you function much better in unity with other bodies. I do not think where we are today in Africa, where uh, uh, we have you know, so many questions with regard to identity that we can uh, practically think that, you know, um, we can remove borders and that this would be a solution. So to you anything. don't really believe that we should even redraw borders in Africa, specifically in conflict areas and so on? Who would do that? Who 
would do that? Well, it could be a discussion at the African Union level, for instance. No, it cannot. The African Union cannot get its members to have a good election. The African Union is not able today to get its members to respect the commitments that they take with regard to investing in agriculture or education or water. We, 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 we cannot have some idealistic idea in our head um, and, and, and hope that this will work. No, the African Union is a dysfunctional body today because its members are dysfunctional. We do not have a critical mass of functional African states that can make a union work. I'm looking at it from the perspective of the African continental free trade area and the fact that most countries in Africa have ratified it. Is that working? This is a new, this is a new decision made by the African Union uh, a couple of, uh, uh, in 2020, and they're behind schedule right now as you and I speak. They're completely behind schedule. So how is this going to happen? I think uh, 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 we must we must learn to be practical as Africans and to achieve results step by step. We cannot skip. If right. people who cannot deliver water and right. electricity to the 5 million people, the 20 million people, the 30 million people who are under their responsibility are not magically going to become functional when they have to manage themselves as 1.3 billion. We're not looking for simple answers on this podcast. We believe Africa's potential is limitless and so are the solutions to challenges we face. Our contributors all had a slightly different perspective. The question of borders is a difficult one. Samba is working hard to dismantle trade barriers between African countries. Mutemi talked about changing mindsets and the role of the private sector. And Ka emphasized the importance of functioning nation states as a basis for more collaboration. The Pan-African dream is still very much alive, but to wake up to it, we have to remain practical. Thanks for listening. To find out more, visit www.trueafrica.co slash limitless or follow True Africa on Facebook and Twitter. You've been listening to Limitless. I'm Claude Grinitsky. The Limitless Podcast is a production of True Africa. This podcast is made possible with a grant from the U.S. Department of State and the Scene Fire Foundation.